place out there that's different. A place whose people understand that the word welcome is more than a greeting. That the things you can't count, count for everything. That life is in the details. So when you come to this place and find that the details of your life are treated as all that matters, you'll understand the difference between a hotel and a Hyatt. And you will say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And the people there will smile and humbly reply, you're more than welcome. <laughs> How you doing? Good. The people there will smile and say you're welcome because you say thank you, thank you, thank you. They'll smile at you and say you're more than welcome because they understand that the things you can't count count for everything. <laughs> I love that. I taught them that line. <laughs> but, but you don't believe that, do you? Do you? I don't. I hope you don't. Because you know when you check out at the hotel, they'll hand you a bill and you'll notice, hey, you guys been doing some counting. You're counting. And even if you say thank you, thank you, thank you, they won't smile and say uh, you're welcome unless you hand them something that they can count. They don't want you to notice, but they're selling a dream. Dream of a place where people stop counting so that they can count your money because the only thing that matters is the details of their bank account so anyway nice nice dream there is a place out there that's different but but not that place <laughs> it's a business hello it's all about counting and I should know my name is Pete Hyatt founder of the Hyatt hotels Pete Hyatt, spelled H-I-E-T-T. -T. 2,000 years ago, I hired some fleabag illiterate shepherds to plant our very first sign, and they spell it H-Y-A-T-T. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So it just says H-Y-A-T-T. -T. That's, the, that's the way it is. Anyway, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm Pete. I really am. I'm Pete Hyatt. I am Peter Hyatt. I'm Pete Hyatt. My first hotel was in the little town of Bethlehem, the Hyatt Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house, place of, place of bread. And, and yeah, you guessed it, uh, I'm that guy. I'm that guy in all the school plays. The, the guy that missed Christmas. The innkeeper. I prefer CEO. Or COO, or DOO, Director of Operations. Uh, well, the truth be told, I was all those things. And uh, cook and custodian. I was a uh, director of marketing. 
hey, you want some of those little shampoos, you know? Yeah, I want some of those. That's the very best part about a hotel. These little shampoos. You want some? Yeah, you can have some. There you go. All right. Uh, shampoo for everybody. You want some shampoo? There you go. Shampoo. Heads up. Watch out for the shampoo. Yeah. All right. Directed marketing. The best. I love those little shampoo bottles. The little paper things over the toilet. You know, you break the tape when you go. Victory number two. Yeah. Hey. Anyway, I was director of marketing, I was business manager, I was accountant, and let me tell you, long about zero, I had my hands full. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, uh, I'm not singing it right, am I? Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Um, that's a lie, how still we see thee lie. Not, it was not still, it was the time of the census. Uh, you read about it in that verse you just uh, read a minute ago. They, they hadn't yet figured out that when you had a census, you could like mail a form to people or you could go to the people. No, the Romans made everybody go to them. The whole world go to them just so some Roman could sit on his can and count Jews. One Jew, two Jew, three Jew. Or should I say three Jew, two Jew, one Jew? Because you see on top of everything else, we were having some accounting troubles. We was making the switch from B.C. to A.D. <laughs> so I had to keep reminding myself, not backwards, forwards. You go from B.C. to A.D. Pete, uh, we've been counting backwards for so long. I mean, we couldn't even remember. 10 B.C., 9 B.C., 8 B.C., 7 B.C. We was coming up on zero, you know? And we was wondering, what happened to zero? <laughs> Nobody knew. Some of my friends in the hotel business, they said, uh, I think maybe a holiday is coming up. So they capitalized on the idea, opened this place down the street, called it the Holiday Inn. Yeah, Holiday Holiday Inn. I had some other friends, they opened the place called Caesar's Palace, hoping to cash in on, you know, some of the Roman hotshots coming through town. We had a special on salad, uh, Caesar salad, we called it. And we were working on a jingle, a, a little song, you know, to attract people to the hotel with something like this. Uh, we're gonna get uh, that Robert Goulet to sing it, you know. At the Hyatt, Hyatt of Bethlehem, music and passion. Fashion, we're always in fashion at the Hyatt. Boosh! Don't fall in love. Then the dancing girls go, Hyatt at Bethlehem. Don't fall in love. Hyatt at Bethlehem. Sing it with me. At the Hyatt. Hyatt at Bethlehem. Music and passion were always the fashion at the Hyatt. Boosh! Don't fall in love. Don't fall in love. Why? Well, we didn't want to tell people, but uh, love is bad business. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love stops counting. Bad for business. Hyatt of Bethlehem. Granted, at the time, it's probably not what you folks would call a hotel. It was me and my family downstairs. Upstairs, we kind of had like a, a room for gas. Out back, we had a stable for the animals. More like a, a house, really. <laughs> Hyatt House. Ever since I was a kid, I had this dream of a hotel. You know, a, a hotel where people like from every nation would come and stay. Famous people, powerful people, well-traveled mysterious people and then I would be famous too powerful too well-traveled too mysterious too because I'd owned a hotel like a 
like a hotel for the world. Ipso facto, I'd own the world. Big dreams, had big dreams. Long about zero, it seemed to be working. Had a couple of Roman hotshots staying upstairs, you know, and I was doing business, moving, shaking. I was counting the things that count. I was making money. See, it's not like I was what you'd call a bad guy. I was in Rotary. I was the chairman of the Synagogue Relief Council. That's, that's good business. I wasn't a monster, just, just busy, just real busy, like y'all are busy. I was busy with busy, important things. I was busy, and that's how it happened. No time, no space, no place. When late one night, I hear this knock on the door. And there's these, uh, these two tramps at the door. He looks like a common laborer. She looks like she's in labor. <laughs> I've been singing that song at the Hyatt. How many to myself? Hyatt of Bethlehem. <laughs> they didn't look like Hyatt material. He says to me, uh, please, mister, may we have a room? My wife is great with child. And now this is what I thought. I remember thinking, she didn't look that great to me. <laughs> looks like a peasant to me. Not Hyatt of Bethlehem. I, I bet you even economy with that whole labor and delivery. I bet these two ain't even married. That's what I thought. What I said was the shelter's down the street. And the young man, he says, uh, please, sir, the shelter, the shelter is full and my wife is pregnant. She's pregnant. I, I just about had it. I looked at him and said, pregnant? That's not my fault. And with all seriousness, he looks right back at me and says, it's not my fault either. <laughs> I mean, I just start laughing at him. He gives me this awful look like he's laughing at the Virgin Mary or something. Anyway, I don't have time for this malarkey. So I said, look, there's no room in the inn. The guy begs me and I said, okay, kid, there's a stable out back and I shut the door. That easy, I just shut the door. I just shut the door, shut the door. Well, along with my wife, Susanna, and my baby boy, Moshe, I just uh, settled down for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. And my neighbors, they're yelling, shut up, you stupid drunk shepherd, shut up. And sure enough, these fleabag shepherds are running up and down the streets going, we saw angels, we saw angels, big, shiny, freaky angels. And they talked to us and they said, in this city, in the town, a Bethlehem is born this night, a savior who is Christ the Lord, the Messiah. Now, you got to understand, Messiah was to Bethlehem like aliens is to your Roswell, New Mexico, okay? <laughs> so, I mean, City of David, prophecies, etc., etc., etc. Heard this, this kind of stuff before. Anyway, one of them, he sees me and he screams, Mr. Hyatt, Mr. Hyatt, Mr. Hyatt, we're looking for a baby wrapped in swelling clothes and lying in a manger. And I remember I look at him and I think, yeah, they're drunk, they're drunk. And then I remembered the two tramps out back. And it just went like this. Immediately, the shepherds take off back of the house to the stable. Not knowing what to do, I go inside and reassure the Romans that everything is kosher. And then I 
<laughs> yeah, kosher hotel. And then I went up on the roof. From, from our roof, you could look down onto the stable out back. I couldn't believe what I saw. She, she hadn't been conning me. She gave, she gave birth, like, in the donkey stall or something. I mean, I could smell the, the blood and the fluid in the air. They wrapped the baby in rags and put him in the feed bin. Now, uh, that's weird. But not that weird. I mean, happens, stuff like that happens to poor people all over the all over the world every day. I mean, what really freaked me out was them shepherds. I knew those guys. Dirt bags. And they had like thrown themselves down in the slop around the manger, shaking, trembling. They really believed that this was the Messiah. And I wondered. There was like a song in the background, that's how you wondered. I, I wondered, what if, what if? I, I don't know how long I stayed on the roof. Normally, I don't have time or space for crazy thoughts like this, but, but I like lost myself, just staring down at the, at the manger and those shepherds at the stable. I, I, I wondered, as I wondered out under the stars, I, I wondered, well, what if? I said, uh, there's no room because they were small. They were beneath me. They didn't fit in the Hyatt. Obviously, they couldn't pay, and obviously, I was counting, and obviously, I would have to forgive them their hotel bill. Now, understand, forgive is an accounting term. Uh, forgive uh, means that they don't pay. Forgive is bad business. But what if? What if, what if the shepherds were right? Then, then, then the baby wasn't too small. Maybe the baby was too big. and Maybe God was counting. You, you get tangled in business with the big boys and you can lose your shorts. You know what I mean? I figured God was a big boy and a very shrewd businessman. My rabbi said that he had talked to God. Rabbi Joseph. One day he said, God, is it true that to you a minute is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a minute? And God said, yes, Joseph, this is true. And Joseph said, is it also true that uh, to you a penny is like a million dollars and a million dollars like a penny? And God says to Joseph, yes, this is also true. And Rabbi Joseph says to God, God, yes, could I have just one of your pennies? And God says, sure, just a minute. <laughs> yeah, see, that's a joke. You got it. That's, but that's what I figured that God was like, a shrewd businessman with impeccable counting skills who always collected on his desk. So I figured if this was the Messiah, I just needed to pretend I didn't know about it and I didn't want to know about it. I couldn't afford him. I couldn't, I couldn't appease him. I couldn't get tangled in business with him. I couldn't think about him. I mean, that's what we all do, right? It's just like too much to think about. We're middle class, you know. Nothing too small, nothing too big, everything medium under control. The baby was either too small or way, way, way too big.
And what if he was both? Too small and too big all at once. Then my business sense made no sense. And all my counting didn't count. If this was Messiah, his smallness was just huge, inconceivable. He wouldn't fit in my yin, he wouldn't fit in my head, he wouldn't fit in my heart, he wouldn't fit in my world. My in, my in, my, my world, they were already full. My in was full of the world. My head was full of business and my heart was full of me. I, I had no room for compassion or forgiveness. This is a business. I had no room for grace. I had to balance the books. No room for mercy. People had to pay their debts. No wonder, because I had it figured out. I had it under control. No room for faith. My business ran like a machine. No room for salvation. I carried an insurance policy and I always kept a little extra money in the bank. No room for love. Maybe lust, yeah, but love, that could get you crucified. No room for God. I figured he'd just blow my little middle-class world to smithereens. So anyway, I sat on the roof wondering about these things, thinking about these things, and then I remember I thought, you know, my life is so full of everything. Maybe my heart has no room for anything or anyone. Maybe my heart is so small and hard and dead there's no room for for anyone except Musha. Musha is my baby boy. You know, they're, they're grown small. That's how they get in there. Grown small, born small, and then they grow and they crack your, your heart open like a, you know, like a root grows into a crack and then grows and busts a rock open. Prophet Isaiah said the Messiah was a root. He's like a root. And I wondered, would God make himself small to enter my heart, grow, and just crack it open? I wondered, what did he want, you know? What does he want? Room? There was no room in the end, but there was room in the manger because it was empty. I looked down at the stable and these fleabag shepherds, they were holding the baby now. They had room. Maybe they were like empty. I was starting to feel empty too. Bethlehem by now was still. And yeah, there was music. There was music like just beyond what I could hear. I wanted to go down there. I wanted to go down there, throw myself in the slop next to the shepherds and, and just say, come in. You can come in. There's room in the end. You can have my room in the end. I mean, I, I had just about lost myself. Just about forgotten myself when I heard it. A voice. It was almost audible. And it did not say, kill the Christ child, <laughs> or worship Satan, Pete, worship Satan. No, just, just one word, bagels. 
And I thought, oh no, what about the bagels and the Romans and the complimentary breakfast all included for $49.95? I remember I jumped up, I slapped myself in the head and I said, Pete, Pete, you got business, you got business, you gotta take care of the bagels. As I'm running down the stairs, I'm cursing myself all the way to the kitchen uh, to make the bagels. And that's how it happened. No room in the inn. For 2,000 years, people have judged me for saying there's no room in the inn. <laughs> but you say it too, don't you? Every time you're too busy to pray, every time you're too vengeful, too full of vengeance to forgive, every time you walk past a beggar and you don't even look at him, don't even smile, because you got business to take care of. No room in the inn. The issue isn't room in the end. The issue is room in your life because you're full of yourself. <laughs> and God gave you your life. Room in the end. I mean, think about that. That's, like, that's like, a, like a joke. No room for the one who made space. No room for the one, no time for the one who... Who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. But that was room in the manger. It's inside bigger than all the outside. For it contained the one who, who made space and time itself. But I had no room. Like I was nowhere. Nothing. And I just shut the door. It's so frightening that you can just shut the door. On creation. On life on God. You, you know, I bet maybe you thought what I thought, that if there was a God, he'd just make it totally obvious. Just like I thought if God wanted the Messiah, wanted into my inn, he'd just bust the door down. That's what the Romans do. They just bust the door down. That's what King Herod would do. He'd just bust the door down. But maybe God's not like the Romans or King Herod. You know, I kissed up to the Romans, but I hated the Romans. I'd let them stay in my inn, but I'd never let them into my heart. I kissed up to King Herod, but I didn't love King Herod. I kissed up to God. And I think I, I hated God. Even if I would have let him into my inn, I wouldn't have let him into my heart. For 1,500 years, we, we Jews had kissed up to God. <laughs> And I think we hated God. See, I wasn't the only one that night with no room. Well, in the morning, the little family was gone. Stayed at some relatives or something. There were stories. Wizards from the east, stuff like that. And then one morning, they just up and gone. Family, family left. And, and then it happened. My dreams died. Herod's men just knocked the door down, grabbed my two-year-old screaming Moisha right out of my arms and ran a sword through his heart. All of Bethlehem was just an open wound. King Herod was terrified of the baby born in my stable, and I was too. I figured Moisha was payment on my debt against the Holy One of Israel the shepherds, wise men, King Herod's envy, 
the death of my only son, it all added up to my secret terror. It was the Messiah on whom I had shut the door. Not only once in Bethlehem, but time and time again. I figured that uh, I was damned. God damned. And then I really shut the door for 30 years. Terrorized that God would come and just collect on all my debts. Nothing was allowed into my world bigger than myself, my control. Definitely not people, because you know, people are like a world unto themselves, and you let them in and they can blow your world apart. I was the innkeeper vacant of life with no room for people, only me and my wound alone in hell. A hell no bigger than my own heart. I, I don't think anything smaller than hell. And the door is locked from the inside. 30 years. It's ironic. But during that time, business grew. Grew like crazy. But it was no longer my dream, was my addiction. Anyway, long about 30 AD, I, I started hearing stories about Jesus the Nazarene. I, I knew it was him. He called himself the bread of life, grew up in Nazareth, but he came from the house of bread, Bethlehem. I, I heard he healed people, preached good news. I was scared of him, but, but intrigued by him. By, by that time, we had opened a hotel in downtown Jerusalem, the Hyatt Jerusalem, and so sometimes I was able to listen. I'd listen in, in the back of the crowd, hear what he, what he would have uh, to say. I remember this one day, uh, after everything was over, his disciples had come up to me and they said, hey, the master would like to know where he will eat the Passover with his disciples. That kind of freaked me out. And I said, ah, ah, you could have the upper room. So they say, okay, they ate dinner that night and then and they left. In the morning, there were crowds. There was a buzz all over Jerusalem. I followed the crowds to the Praetorium. And then I followed the crowds to Calvary. And then I watched as the high priests, King Herod, the Romans, the Pharisees, they all teamed up and they strung him up. Naked. Naked as the day he was born in my stable. They crucified him. And I watched him die. I heard him scream, Father, forgive them. And then something else. I watched him die. See, it wasn't only me that shut the door on, he, on Jesus. Uh, no, no room in the end. Try no room in this whole damn world of ours. I walked home in a pouring rain. My head was spinning. He said, Father, forgive them. And he said, it is finished. I mean, like he was taking care of business. And I thought, that is some crazy business. Forgiving them. And then I thought, would he forgive me? And then I wondered, well, did God take Moshe as payment for my debts or, or was it something else? And I, and I thought, you, you, you know, the same group that killed Moshe killed Jesus, only begotten Son of God. And then I thought, does God feel what I feel? Does God know what I know? Is God where I am? Could God make himself that small 
to enter hell. My hell. Well, I'll tell you, something took root in hell that day. Now, you know the story, right? He rose from the dead. Old Shepherd told me, he's the lamb slain for the sins of the world. It was then that it first occurred to me, well, that's, that's wild, but, but if that's true, that would mean moisture wasn't paying for my debts, but, but Jesus, Son of God, was. I didn't know what to make of all that. For about six weeks, I just chewed on that. Folks didn't hear much from Jesus' disciples during that time, but actually I let them say in, in my upper room. I mean, they just looked so dejected and confused and disoriented. Kind of reminded me of Jesus' daddy that fateful night 30 years before. And for the Feast of Weeks, that's Pentecost, they had uh, some friends over to pray. I stayed downstairs, and my family by then was gone. I was, I was totally alone, an old man, broken, old, empty man. One morning, I remember for the first time in, in like 30 years, I, I just muttered a prayer. <laughs> I just sat down and I, I said, God, I'm empty. I got nothing. I'm sorry. Forgive me. A proud businessman never says, forgive me. But I said, forgive me. If only I could do it over, I'd invite him in. I'd give him my room. And just then, I mean, there's like this wind. This wind starts coming in the house, starts shaking, and there's, there's tongues of fire, and all at once, boom, something hits me, knocks me back on my can, knocks me flat out. When I come to, everything's different. Nothing was empty. Everything was like full, and I was full. Or maybe I just had new eyes, a new heart. I know I had a new brain because I stopped counting. It just didn't make any sense anymore because everything, everything was grace. I was shaken like a drunk shepherd. And then I thought to myself, hey, I'm hearing drunk shepherds. Where are those drunk shepherds? I was hearing drunk shepherds, lots of them. It was those guys in the upper room. I ran up there. It was just nuts. I look out the window. Folks from like every nation are swarming my hotel. One of the guys, he stands up on the balcony and he says this. Hey, everybody, everybody, these guys are not drunk as you would suppose. It's only nine in the morning. This is what the prophet said. The prophet Joel said, in the last day, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh all flesh daughters will, 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 they'll prophecy sons will have visions yada 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 and then he said this and your old men will dream dreams and all at once I felt that my dreams were back the dreams that had died they were back but bigger and, and, and better than ever my dreams had been like resurrected and redeemed. My, my old dreams, I, I realized they were just the beginning of God's dreams. He was growing dreams in me. Like he was the farmer, I was the field and he's growing dreams. So my dreams, check this out, had never been too big. They had always, always been too small. Too small to hold him. 
and he is grace. That means he's bigger than my ability to count. Uh, so I can't buy him. I can't own him. I can't even comprehend him. You, you see, as long as I thought that I could create my dream, I couldn't receive my dream. Because my dream is him. In me. Now I was like full of him, full of him. And, and I realized I was full then of, of everything. I knew that he had Moisha, he had me, he had all creation. I knew he was in total control. It was all according to plan. The fact that the inn was full that night, the fact that Christ was born in a manger, uh, the fact that the Romans liked bagels, the fact that I couldn't stop counting. It was all according to plan so I could see that he has stopped counting. It is finished. Everything, Pete is grace. Yeah, I knew he had emptied me of me so that I could be filled with him so I'd know him, love him as he is, all-powerful, undefeatable, irresistible grace. And so check it out. There is a place out there that's different. A place where the things you cannot count, count for everything. There's a place of absolute grace. And that place is called heaven. And heaven was in me. God was in me. So check it out. I didn't create the dream. I didn't own the dream. I am the dream that God is dreaming. And so I know the difference between a hotel and a Hyatt. I could buy a hotel, but I am the Hyatt. Built not by human hands, but built by God, owned and operated by God, the house of very glory of God, the presence of God. Did you hear what I just said? God, he's bigger, he's bigger than this entire world. He's more famous than any of you. He's more powerful, more mysterious, more well-traveled. He is life and he is love at the Hyatt, the Peter Hyatt. Music and passion are always in fashion at the Hyatt. Bouge. He fell in love. The Peter Hyatt. He fell in love. The Peter Hyatt. <laughs> that day, Pentecost in the upper room, I fell to my knees and I just cried out, Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I could feel God smiling. And he said, Pete. You are more than welcome. And I was a living nativity scene. We was a living nativity scene. You can read about it in Acts chapter 2 in the Bible. We sold our possessions. I sold the hotel, gave my money to the poor. We shared everything in common and nobody, nobody was in need. And that place was a different kind of place. Do you know what we called it? Church. <laughs> Whoa, didn't see that one coming, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's what we called it. Anyway, I didn't miss Christmas. And neither should you. 
the guy in the upper room on, on Pentecost, he finished his speech by saying this, and it shall be in that day that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yada, 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 kept going, and then he said, repent, be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It happens in different ways. Sometimes tongues of fire. Sometimes how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. But whatever the case, it's Christmas Eve. So open the door. Give him your room. Amen. <laughs> you can do that right now just by singing this song and meaning it. Okay? Going to mean it? Band guy? There's a band guy. <laughs> Come on up here. And do you know the song, uh, Oh Little Town of Bethlehem? Yada, yada, yada. You know that one? Okay. So we're going to sing that song. And uh, listen, when, when you get... Uh, to the last verse of that song, it's number four, you're singing right to God, okay? So it's a prayer. So I want you to sing it like you mean it and sing it to God, okay? Bethlehem, okay? that is God took bread and he broke it saying this is my body given to you take and eat and do this in remembrance of me and in the same way after supper and having given thanks he took the cup and he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins drink of it all of you and do it in remembrance of me he is the bread of life so, when you take the bread of life, you literally become Bethlehem, the house of bread. You become the sanctuary. You become the temple. You become the place where the Lord dwells. The only condition for this is that there are no conditions. And that's quite a condition because it means you can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't own it. This cup is the eternal covenant of grace. That means that covenant, that business deal, supersedes all business deals in all creation. So if you think you can pay, It'll burn. It's grace. If you're full of self, uh, proud of yourself, you'll have a hard time with the cop. You'll have a hard time with Christmas. you have a hard time with judgment. But if on the other hand you feel empty, 
poor in spirit. <laughs> well, blessed are you, said Jesus. If you're meek, if you're mourning, if you're hungry and thirsty for righteousness because you're empty of righteousness, well, blessed are you, said Jesus. If you feel like an old bunch of weathered wood held together with rusty nails, you know, forgotten, a place where animals feed, like, feed, like, a, like an old manger stuck out behind a resort hotel where the rest of the world parties, blessed are you. For that is where the Christ child is born. Blessed are you. You've been emptied that you might be full forever. So um, if you would, pray with me and open the door. Whoever you are, you can, you can pray this with me, okay? But you just pray it. Maybe silently in your own heart after me. Lord God, I, I believe and I, I don't believe So, please help my unbelief. I confess that I have been full of myself, full of my judgments, trying to justify myself. But on Christmas Eve, I surrender myself <laughs> to your judgment, Lord God, for your judgment is good. His name is Jesus. And so, Jesus, I give you my room. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There will be four stations. We invite you to come forward, tear off a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup. The dark cups are wine. The light cups are juice. And then place the bread in Bethlehem, the house of bread, and have a very Merry Christmas. Hey there. I hope the message that you just heard or viewed helped you to believe a little more that God is better than you thought, the love of Jesus is deeper than you know, and the Spirit is everywhere working the wonders of mercy. If that's so, I'd love it if you would consider two things. Number one, ask yourself if there's someone that you know that might benefit from this message, and then uh, forward this link onto them. There are several ways that you can do that by visiting our website at thesanctuarydowntown.org. Secondly, I'd love it if you'd uh, take just a moment and uh, ask the Lord if He'd like you to contribute to this endeavor financially. We really can't do this except for the fact that God inspires people like you um, to give. And uh, you can do that by uh, going to the website and clicking on uh, the donate button or uh, by simply mailing a check to the sanctuary downtown at uh, 2215 West 30th Avenue 
Denver, Colorado, 80211. Uh, thanks for being a part of what we're doing, and God bless you.